0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Small Business Surgeon. I'm Sam, your host, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, uh, fellow Apex member and entrepreneur and sales coach, Jamie Hyde, all the way from Florida. Jamie, thank you for coming to take time out with us today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, you, brother. I appreciate you having me.
0: Hey, no problem. Now, Jamie has a really interesting story that we're going to share with you guys and kind of unpack that. He has ended up... As a guy that owns a media company and does consulting and sales training for entrepreneurs, uh, so that, that sounds uh, that sounds fairly similar to what we got going on over here, Jamie. But uh, that that wasn't always the case, was it? You started out in law enforcement and then had a career in commercial real estate as well. So tell us a little bit about your backstory and uh, how that went, because I can't imagine uh, transferring from from being a uh, full time uh, police officer to uh, a real estate investor. How did that work?
1: Well, it's always a story, right? We like stories.
0: Year. That's why we're here, but
1: So I grew i grew up kind of in a family of engineers. My stepfather was an engineer. My dad kind of had an engineering background. My, my older stepbrother is an engineer. Uh, two of my best friends in the whole world are engineers. That's kind of how I grew up in that mm-hmm. whole family. Um, but I actually grew up on a farm. Uh, but I'm talking about the people that went on and left the farm kind of thing, right? Uh and when I was about a, a freshman in high school over here in the States, I, I know you're from, you're from England, correct? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, over here in the States, uh, my freshman year, I don't know, I'm a 14, 15 years old. I remember they gave us this assessment test and uh, it was a two part test. One was on our aptitude and one was on our interest. And until then I had never really given any thought about, you know, what I wanted to be when I grow up. I mean, you're I 14
0: the... who, who does <laughs>
1: Right, exactly. I only know this. I remember this when I was a young man, when the fire department had an open house and my parents would take us to visit the fire department. I was not a little kid that was attracted to the fire trucks. For some reason, that did not appeal to me. Actually, they were so big, they kind of scared me as a little kid. I remember that distinctly. It's kind of funny how that came about. So on this aptitude and this awareness test, um, being a police officer came up in my top three on both sides okay i don't even remember what the other two were and right then and there i decided i'm going to be a police officer i was like wow. okay that sounds like a pretty cool idea i think i'll just do that you know it's scary oh.
0: it's scary how accurate those uh, those tests are because as a 14 15 year old i'd given no thought to my future whatsoever i knew i wanted to be a drummer and my test came back cartographer and for about 11 years i spent in oil and gas doing leases and making maps and it was just it's incredible how accurate those tests are. So, um, you were obviously destined to become a police officer, huh?
1: Yeah. Especially, you know, we're talking way back in 1980. So obviously the study of psychology and the mind has come a lot further since then. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh so, yeah. We're talking, I'm an old man, brother. I've been around. <laughs> a- <laughs> so, um, yeah, way back in, I guess, 1980 or so, 81, maybe. Um, so I take this test so I just I'm going to be a police officer and that's, that's all there is to it. Um, so, uh, we, we move around quite a bit when I'm, when I'm younger. Mm-hmm. And um, as I'm getting ready to graduate high school, uh, my mom and, and my stepfather let us know that they're going to be moving to South Florida. I grew up in the state of Michigan. That's going
0: uh, to be a shock to the system right there.
1: Yeah. Well, my mom had always wanted to live in Florida. Uh, She'd lived here as a little girl. And mm-hmm. uh, my, my grandparents were farmers, so they wintered in Florida. So my mom actually went to school in the central part of the state here in Lakeland. Uh, during the winter but then in the summers and uh, spring they lived up in Michigan so she kind of spent her childhood switching between schools a little bit and uh, she always wanted to get back to the warm weather. My mother hates the cold. makes sense. um, Texas hates the cold. (laughs) Texas hates (laughs) it after this week I tell you. And uh, I had decided I was going to go in the army and be be military police. Oh wow. that, that was going to be my entry. Well, the problem was, was my mother did not want me to go in the army. My mother's kind of a worry war. It was worried something was going to happen to me. And I was going to be 18 at the end of the same month that I graduated high school. And I was dead set that I was going in the military until she played the mom card. And uh, what she said to me was, listen, um, we don't have anybody to help us move to Florida. We don't have anybody to help <laughs> us unload the trucks when we get there. So why don't you come to Florida with us? And then if you still want to go in the military, you can go in from down there. It doesn't matter where you go in from. Moms always, they always play the mom card, don't they? Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) you know, I couldn't really say no. So I I came here and I helped him unload the trucks. And um, it wasn't too long. Uh, Our next door neighbors that we moved into was just going into his senior in high school. So I was kind of one year ahead of him. And he started introducing me to his friends. I had some graduation money in my pocket. We started hanging out you know uh start socializing, partying a little bit and before i knew it the summer was gone the military had kind of gone out of my head a little bit and then one day my mom came to me and said well i don't think you really want to go to college so you might want to think about getting a job <laughs> and I was like a job really so um i had i had worked during high school a little bit off and on some odd jobs so i uh I decided to uh, go apply. I don't know if you're familiar with the chain. They actually just announced they're going out of business, but Lord and Taylor, oh, and no. uh, retail store and uh, high-end fashion. And they were building a brand new mall here in Boynton Beach, Florida. And there was an ad in the paper. They were hiring uh, for various positions. Mm-hmm. So I go and this building's under construction. And I go and I apply and I apply for loading and receiving to work in the warehouse because I'm an 18 year old kid. What do I know? Right. And the lady said to me, she said you're awfully young. Um, are you going to college? And I said, no, I don't, I don't believe college is for me because, you know, I thought I was too smart for college. Boy, that didn't turn out too good. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, uh, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a police officer. And she said, well, I'm hiring for security as well. And I said, all right, what does that entail? And she said, well, you got to wear this shirt and tie and you walk around, it's loss prevention for the retail store and it pays a dollar more an hour and you don't have to sweat on loading trucks okay, I'm not a dummy. That sounds like a win <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah, I get to take a dollar more an hour and I don't have to sweat and I get to wear a shirt and tie. So I ended up in, uh, you know, God has a plan, right? So I ended up doing loss prevention for them for a couple of years. Got an opportunity to move over to uh, another high fashion store called Saks Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out there that my uh, supervisor, her husband uh, was a New York police department retiree and had worked for a local police department here in South Florida as a civilian. And we get talking one day after work, he was there to pick up his wife, we're in the parking lot talking. And he said, Jamie, you're, you're a young guy, you're 20, 21 years old now, You know, three, three and a half years has gone by, what do you, you wanna do? And I said, I'll be a police officer. And he said, well, the police department, I just took my second retirement from is hiring. Um, why don't you go put in an application and I'm good friends with the chief and I'll make a call for you. So I did, I, I applied. Um, my process got drawn out for a little bit, uh, it took about six months and, uh, went through the rent test, couple, several, I don't know, 1200 people, 1400 people had applied. Uh, they narrowed it down, narrowed it down, narrowed, narrowed it down. Um, I found out later that basically crime was out of control in the city. It had fourth highest crime rate for size in the nation and um the city the the citizens basically marched on city hall and said we demand you hire more police officers wow and they went on to hire about 100 new officers and i was number six seven eight out of that hundred that was hired um even though it took six months and the phone rang one day and it was somebody from the training division um and he said i'd like to offer you a job as a uh, police officer at the city of pompano beach Mm -hmm. and i was like wow so um went into the police academy and turned 22 uh two days after i graduated the
0: police academy how does a 22 year old fight crime in a in, man that must have just been the most intimidating situation ever to go into because at 22 you're barely shaving are you i mean that's uh <laughs> so,
1: yeah man i uh i graduated uh i grad i mean i grew up in a small community in the thumb of michigan in a farming community mm-hmm. that was all lily white Nobody um, locked their doors. <laughs> literally, literally, I had met three people of color my entire life at that yep. point, mm-hmm. and now I'm in an inner city, uh, you know, high population, high crime area, and it was culture shock. I was frankly scared to death. I tried not to show it, but I just didn't. It was just my ignorance. I just didn't know any better. We're, yeah,
0: I mean, we we had similar upbringings. There weren't uh, there weren't too many uh people of color around where i grew up i grew up in rural england and um the absolute shock on my face in, in jason's deli uh, the first time in arlington that i got yelled at by a obese uh, black lady i was i was absolutely terrified i had no, no idea what to do with myself but uh yeah um you know that's that's one of the things i love about america though is having that culture and having that uh, difference in backgrounds and difference in where everybody's from because uh, you really do get to learn a lot more about other folks i bet the uh I bet the police office, uh, I bet it, it opens your eyes there,
1: huh? Yeah, it was, um, it was a great experience. Um, I loved it. In fact, I was in, when I was in the police academy, I remember them telling us, now this is 1989, and I remember them saying that the average police officer now works like uh, 8 to 10, 12 years, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, boy, you're, you're crazy. Like, this is all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a lifer. I'm in this forever. Uh, you know, this is it. But turns out that uh, he was right. Uh, In about about my fifth year, I started thinking about maybe this wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. In about my seventh year, even though I had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of good friends, worked for a great department, great people. I I can tell you for a fact that everybody there, or the 99.9% of them did the best they could just do the job and go home safe every night. Uh, And uh, it was a great experience. But about my fifth year, I started thinking it wasn't for me. And about my seventh year, I decided I wanted out. And it took about five more years before um, I just went ahead and and pulled the plug. So I served just about 12 years even. Well, uh, so, sorry.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit then, because you made that transition into real estate sales, right? And I'm looking at your bio here. It says commercial real estate.
1: Yeah, so uh, so, so it's a strange thing, again, how things work. Um, Didn't know that I necessarily wanted to be a businessman, but I was in a uh, multi-level marketing company. Yeah, I was going to be a millionaire, right? Didn't, I think
0: we all started with those, didn't we? We all started uh, in those. I remember at 19 being dragged uh, by a guy that I'd met at the, the guitar center. Uh, he dragged me over to a, a meeting about so, something about selling stuff. And uh, then there was the, the knife company, the Vector Knives, and then, then Kirby Vacuums. I think we've all kind of touched in on those uh, on those MLM uh, companies. How did it work out for you? And uh, how did
1: you spend your first million dollars you made in uh, network marketing? And brother, I made $400 in the first 18 months. <laughs> oh, goodness. 18 months, that, $400. That's but, true. I mean, but, we,
0: laugh, we laugh, but honestly, a lot of sales guys have cut their teeth in uh, in network marketing. And lo- that's where a lot of them felt their first rejection. And it's where a lot of them, uh, you know, honestly felt their first sale as well, you know. So, I mean, it, it, let me
1: tell you, though, it, it trained me to be able to, uh, I mean, I already had the background of being able to speak to people from the police department. I was a certified hostage negotiator with the police department and things mm-hmm. like that. But it made me learn how to speak to people when I didn't have a bulletproof vest, I didn't <laughs> have a gun and I didn't have handcuffs because I closed a lot of people when you're a police officer because it's do as I say or go to jail yeah. pretty much. I mean, yeah. you yeah, have yeah, that back sure. and you have that authority. When you're in sales, it was it was rough.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I learned how to actually build rapport and speak to people to get the results that I wanted to get, and it, so, it so what up. what was it you were selling? Uh, life insurance and uh, and finances.
0: Oh, nice, nice. I got um, the one MLM I did sign up for and was active in for about six months. I realized it wasn't for me. It was uh, it was prepaid legal. It was okay. uh, yeah. It was the the legal insurance services stuff. So
1: uh, I still very, have that policy for prepaid
0: legal. I think I do too. I think I still pay twenty six dollars a month for it. Uh, even though I've got friends that are attorneys.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, my brother in law uh, was in commercial real estate, and okay. a partner with four other guys. They had opened their own little boutique firm, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just like, "Just go get your real estate license and come work with me." So I uh, I transitioned over, and uh, and that was also very cool, and I enjoyed it. The issue was that um, unfortunately we didn't know it, but he was uh, he had a disease of alcoholism, and uh, he he hit it very well. And he was supposed to be my mentor and my trainer in this world of commercial real estate. And he did a great job and he taught me a lot. But unfortunately, he did uh, he did pass away a short time after I joined up with the firm. Oh, man. The other four partners were very good to me. Um, but it was kind of like, OK, your brother-in-law recruited you into this and he's supposed to be training you. And now we're kind of stuck. With you. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Uh, in all fairness, they were very good, and one took me under his wing, and he made sure I made a living. He got me into a portfolio of 18 shopping centers in, in real estate, especially commercial real estate. You kind of lease property to pay yeah. your bills, yeah. But sell to build build your income and build yep. your wealth. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to sell some some property and some warehouses and things, but I made my bread and butter by leasing uh, retail spaces. Of course, Ended yeah. up doing 18 spaces, uh, 18 centers, uh, strip mall kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the crown of my real estate career was I went and on my own, I got one of the most coveted uh, up and coming 45,000 square foot shopping centers in South Florida at the time, several agents wanted it. And I built a personal relationship with the owner of the property. And we took that from dirt to fully leased. Actually, there was one space left when I decided to pull the plug on the commercial real estate business and just decided that wasn't where I I belonged at the time. You know, I, I love real estate, and uh, I spent a year
0: solid from uh, all of 2019 um, focusing on commercial stuff and cutting my teeth over there, paying my dues in commercial. Um, I'm curious, as we move through your story, what was it about commercial that you, made you decide it wasn't for you, and, and what opportunity did you pursue that, that kind of took took the place of commercial real estate? Because I, I love I love, you know, yeah. You've got the leasing, yeah. You've got to go through through that, and that 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 pays a little bit. But boy, when you when you smash a a two or three or five million dollar deal, it, it feels pretty good, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I thought um I thought uh, police officer took you to the highest of highs and lowest of lows. Oof,
0: no, try selling real estate.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got a two hundred forty thousand dollar commission on the line, and your your client pulls the plug the day before the money goes hard. Oh. Uh god you know yeah. um it's it's the epitome of highest of highs and lowest of lows yeah the, the honestly i i used to say it was the police officer in me that just couldn't deal but it, but it was really an inferiority complex i had about dealing with wealthy people and in commercial uh... dealing with wealthy people now i know this um you know all these years later that's really what it was i i had this thing about i just didn't measure up because i grew up on a farm in michigan and and I couldn't hang with these people, so to speak. Um, I've got that beat now. Yeah, Good, good. good. We,
0: <laughs> we, we talk about mindset training there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that was part of my, my battle with anxiety and depression I've had all my life. But, um, but I had the opportunity to start a company. And at the time, we're talking 2006, uh, real estate was, was at an all-time high. I, we had a lot of equity in our home at the time. And my wife and I were thinking that we were going to sell out and maybe move up to the Tennessee area. There was a big Mm -hmm. rush up there then out of South Florida. And it came down to pouring a a glass of Jack Daniels over ice one night and sitting on eBay thinking, okay, I got all this equity in my home. What am I going to do if I want to move? I don't want to be a police officer. I don't want to do commercial real estate. What kind of business can I buy or start if if we move? And there's this this gentleman that was selling a how-to guide on how to get into this business called Field Services. And I think it was $35 to buy this guide on how to start this field services business. That's pretty so, cheap, man. That's what yeah, well, the shot, one, right? Call up one of my buddies, and it turns out that his brother had just been out to uh, New Orleans to work the a hurricane out there. Mm-hmm. And he came back telling my buddy about these guys that were making all this money, taking photographs of the damage for the insurance companies. All they were doing was boots on the ground, documenting the damage. Mm-hmm. And, well, it turns out that that's what this guide was teaching us how to do, get into that business. So I called my buddy up and I'm like, does this sound like what your brother was talking about? And he's like, yeah. So I was just like what he was talking about. I said, well, should I buy this guy? That's it's 35 bucks. And, I, and he goes, well, it could be a rip off. I go, or oh, it's 35 bucks. Like, exactly. Whatever. You know. <laughs> like, whatever. It's $35. Now, obviously I knew later I had something I could have done on my own, but sometimes the best money you'll spend is to get that, that quick start. Yeah. Quick into yeah, for it. sure. And uh, we opened up this little field inspection business where basically we were the eyes and ears for insurance companies, mortgage companies, credit card processors on the ground, damaged homes, verifying businesses were real, um, whatever. We took that from zero to 10,000 a month in our third month. Um, We started hiring part-time people to work for us. Um, But at the end of the year, it turned out that we were better friends than we were business partners. It's still one of my closest friends today. Uh, But we just couldn't jive on the partnership in business
0: And I think we've all been there as well, you know. <laughs> business partners are uh, it, partnerships can be difficult when you don't have the understanding of uh, of the core value systems that we've we've learned now right. in in the process right. of uh, in the process of our development. Because you know, mm-hmm. I've been in I've been in business partnerships that look good on paper, but if you don't agree in principle, then you'll you'll all not right. make it, you know.
1: Yeah. So we split up the end of 2006, 2007 through 2011. I ran my own thing. He did his own thing. We, we were now sister companies. We shared work, but we didn't have the actual partnership in each other's companies. Uh-huh. And things got slow. And uh, my wife came to me and she said, okay, you really haven't had much work this summer. Um, what do you want to do? <laughs> Rebuild your business or go get a job or what? And I said, you know, I'm kind of tired of working by myself. It's kind of lonely. This was pre-Facebook obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah for sure. didn't have the social interaction. And um, I said, think I'll I'll, maybe I'll go sell cars or something. So uh, (laughs) that's what happened. What could Uh, possibly go wrong?
0: You know, how hard hard could it Uh, be?
1: Well, well, I don't know if you've noticed a theme yet, but I I always want to help people, right? Mm -hmm. Like helping people is my thing. So anybody that's ever gone into selling cars uh, brand new will tell you that they always want to go in with the idea of helping people sell cars. But it takes about a week to figure out that's not really the case. You're not Mm -hmm. there to help people buy cars your help you're there to sell them a car regardless yes. of what they want uh-huh. Their wants are secondary moving that metal is first you sell what's on the lot <laughs> and, um, and uh as a sales manager told me you are for me not for the customer in about my first week
0: mm-hmm. so yeah
1: i mean the the I, first
0: the first seven figure revenue business i i had was a car dealership so i've i've been right okay. there, i've been right there with you buddy oh, uh, so you know say, mm-hmm. right
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. so um I heard about this thing called auto broker though. And yeah. auto broker sounded pretty cool to me. Like I could actually help a client and, and figure that out. So I stayed three years and I learned everything I could about the business. I, I, I worked, uh, I worked service drive as a salesman. I worked internet. Um, I was actually supposed to be next up as internet director before I resigned. Um, all this, that's what I was told anyways. And, uh, and, uh, I just really wanted to help people. So after just about three years in the business, I left open an auto broker business, ran that for six years. In the meantime, I found Apex. Our, right. friend, Drew, our friend, Drewby, who I know you had as a guest earlier, yeah. uh, invited me into a marketing group. At the time, we were also playing with doing a solar company on the side. And uh, Drewby invited me into a marketing group. I thought I was joining it to learn more about marketing for my solar and my auto broker business. And it turned out to be a group of marketing owners, business owners. Mm -hmm. And my son was a junior in college and he destroyed his knee in a freak accident and couldn't work his part-time job. So he's at home and he's not in class. He's going to class on crutches at the time. He ended up having full reconstructive surgery on his knee. So I just turned to him one day and I'm like, you want to open a marketing company with me? So he's like, sure. What else am I doing? (laughs) Cool, let's do that. So we started with the marketing company and the, the idea was to turn to white label services where somebody provides a service and you just sell it.
0: Yeah. Until, yeah,
1: sure. until I reached out to that company and I had my first big sale, it was, a, it was a Shopify site. And I said to them, I have some questions. And the response was, you just sell it, we'll take care of it. And I was like, no, I'm putting my name on it. I can't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was actually for an Apex member. And so we ended up uh, building the Shopify site for him personally had never built one before and gave him so much free value that we made it work we wanted to make sure you know i'll give you money back if i do anything with anybody i'll just give your money back i don't care how long i gotta do it if you're just not happy i don't want the bad press i don't ever want to leave my name with a bad taste in someone's mouth intentionally anyways i will always give your money back because that's that's uh, all you've got really at the end of the day is your name you know to this day we still talk we're still buddies and i still help him wherever i can help him i ended up training his uh, fiance how to take over the site they actually improved it made it way better than what i had done and uh, i think we both appreciate that friendship and that relationship as you know in apex we're all family apex is
0: uh it's like that man it's a real tight-knit group i
1: yeah. So I, um, I just started to like, okay, I learned how to do SEO a little bit. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, as good as Joshua Sutton or some of the other guys, obviously right, right. I can build a rudimentary or a decent website. I got some, you know, uh, creativity in me. Um, I can certainly run and build sales funnels, but doing it and charging people for it with no guarantee, just kept sticking in my craw. Like I just, man, if I, I, if I got to put my name on it, like I want to know it's going to work. Yeah. And even though I've had some success. I just, It just was bugging me. So we moved at the end of last summer. And at the same time we moved, I didn't really want to move. We had to kind of, my mother became disabled and and we had to make a choice. She was coming to live with us or we were coming to live with her. Uh And so we just worked it out. It was better that we come live with her uh, for the whole family and the whole situation. And a week later, my dog died and we talked, we touched on it briefly, but it sent me into a four month depressive episode where I just shut down. I just completely shut down i quit engaging i quit working i just couldn't do anything except i decided to start day trading stock um, I, because, I remember you kind of vanished yeah you kind of vanished yeah, from uh, yeah
0: you kind of vanished from uh, from the group from view
1: and um, yeah for a little bit and yeah. um well, at least day train stock i felt like i was trying to put some money in the house and i was trying to do something but mm. i didn't have to talk to anybody i didn't have to deal with people i didn't want to deal with people And then I gradually started to get pulled out of it a little bit. And I was getting better and better and better with my depression. And I was still helping people. I was still, especially in Apex, I was still asking people, can I help you? Can I help you? Because a year and a half prior to that, I decided to try to add value to Apex by helping people do live videos because I'm comfortable on camera and so many people aren't. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with any kind of business I was involved with. I was just trying to add value and give something back for all that I've received from Apex. And that led to more and more people reaching out to me and saying, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Can you help? You know, what do you think about this? Just ask my opinion. And that's when I started thinking about the consulting thing. So uh, when Apex Live came up the 1st of December, when you and I met, uh, I, I looked at my wife and I said, hey, Apex is doing a live event. I've been involved since August of 2018. I've never really built the system within Apex that they teach us. And she just said, you're going. And I said, all right, are you sure? I go, well, I gotta take care of my mom and this and that. The beauty of being able to work from home. She goes, I got your mom covered. You're going. Her exact words where you need to go get around your people. And I was like, cool. So <laughs> you were at that event. You know what it was like. Dude, it's and- it's like I, I
0: finally was was in my room. I finally felt like I belonged somewhere. Like everybody in that room thinks like I do. Like only most of them think better than I do. You know, just, there's, there's, like I was saying before we got on here, I'm, I'm on the, just on the lower side of the average of the apex group. There's a whole bunch of guys in front of me and uh, it's great to surround yourself with people that have been on this journey. You know, I, I right. love it.
1: All right. So I wanted to do something different, right? First of all, I don't like the word coaching because I think it's a little overdone, you know, mm-hmm. no offense to anybody out there. I like the word consulting. I don't know. maybe mean, it's a little classier word. I don't know. It's still the same stuff, but again, I want to be able to do something that I can put my name on and put a hundred percent money back guarantee behind it. If you work it, if yeah. you work it. I heard your interview with Nate Bailey, and a lot of people join programs and they don't work them.
0: That's oh my uh, god, yeah, so many and and Drewby too. I mean, he and I talked about this at length. There's so many people. I I set up a coaching program in twenty sixteen, um, and man, I had nineteen people join at five hundred bucks. And I had one person complete the first month's work, one. And it just, it, it soured me on the whole thing. Because uh, they get this shiny new thing, they peel the wrapper off it, and then they, they open the box and inside there's a big, great big fucking capital W for work. And uh, you actually have to work at this for it to work. They they think there's this magic button on the internet that we all just mash and money falls out, but there really isn't. There's right. There's no
1: secret to it well i think it was thomas Edison that said most people miss opportunity because it shows up in, in overalls and looks like work right? that's
0: yeah yeah that's the truth so i mean that so, that that really put me off uh coaching or consulting as you want to call it for for quite some time um you know i didn't really get back into it until the beginning of this year when uh it was thomas keenan that really pushed me to to go do it and um Now, instead of consulting or coaching, I see it more as helping, like actively helping, actively guiding and giving people like a framework to build their shit on and to build
1: a better business with. And it it just, it's the most rewarding
0: thing I've ever done.
1: Well, Um, I'm in, I'm in a lot of groups and and I see other coaches and consultants out there and they're trying to build these automatic programs. And I think they're great for the coach, the consultant, mm -hmm. but I haven't got there yet. And I'll tell you why, because if someone signs with me, they're getting me. And, and right. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure they're successful. I mean, if I, if, if I got a door knock in their neighborhood, five States away to make them get sales and build their business, <laughs> if that's to it, like, like, I'm going to make sure you're getting your money worth. Cause of course. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't want to give the money back. I will. I just, I just don't want to feel that failure. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fail. I don't want to feel like I, cause if someone's not successful and they paid me decent money to consult for them, like, they're going to win. They're going to, they're going to win if they work the program and it's, it's a weekly call. Plus it's 24 hour, seven, 24, seven text email, whatever they need. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to install a system. It's going to be organic. Um, I'm a believer in social media ads, but I'm a believer that they should be run after your fire's burning. And then you can add some more fuel to it.
0: That's the way to do it. Yep. It's, right. it's the, it's the difference between, making power moves and forcing moves uh you know the, the power moves are organic they take three months they take six months they take nine months to come around but they last forever provided you keep pushing that organic stuff out it keeps on lasting whereas that forced move it's in and out and as soon as the ad spend is finished your influence is finished you know that's so, it
1: that's so, the- so it works right and you can keep spending money and keep getting more business keep Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like just chasing your tail, which I think it's okay in, in certain circumstances. But this is, this is the problem. This is the disconnect. People do that because it's, they think it's quick, fast results. But how, there, there's very few people, you know, we have Josiah Atkins and Matt Smith who are very good at what they do for far running Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And they seem to get really good qualified leads for their clients, which is awesome. But you and I both at 99% or 98% of the people running market agencies are not that. They don't get those qualified leads
0: no it's, it's very very difficult to do and to you know i i had no intention of running a marketing agency either um, i was making videos for real estate sales and people kept going hey can you make us a video so then we make videos for clients and nobody would see them and the video wouldn't do what we what well, we wanted, and then we're like, well, why is nobody looking at your Facebook? And I'm like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, all right, well, let me show you why. And it just kind of it kind of evolved from that because you can have the best media in the world, but if you've got no audience, then it's not going to do you any good whatsoever. And so all of this stuff, it all kind of combines into one big uh, one big ball. And um, man, organic is. I mean, it, it, it took me a long time to build the real estate company to where I wanted it, um, but now. You know, my phone rings, and it's somebody that knows me, it's somebody that trusts me, it's somebody that's ready to do business, and they say, hey, I'm trying to buy a house, can you help? Hey, uh, I've just hired a guy, we're moving him to town, I need you to put him in a house, no problem. Hey, I'm getting a divorce, man, I need you to help me sell my house, no problem. And it's, it's, it's wonderful, I don't have to close anything. You know, all, right. all because of the work that we do in marketing and we do doing videos and we're doing podcasting like this. And uh, it's starting to become the same with my consulting clients as well. They're seeing this organic growth in their business from the material we're feeding them and the framework that we're putting them on to put out that content. Yeah, so, dude, I, I love it.
1: The other thing that I've, I've done that's a little different, Sam, is is uh, everything is online. We all know that, right? Yeah. Especially for a lot But I've had previous coaching and I've had previous success with my outer broker business with offline marketing, direct mailers as well. Mm -hmm. And they're different than anything you've ever seen, I promise. They're not the flashy, pretty postcards. that just get dropped to have a very small return on investment, right? We actually design, um, we call them one-sheeters, papers that give value that are directed to a certain targeted clientele, Mm -hmm. both people you want to be your clients, but also here's where the real gold is that nobody realizes. It's in your past clients. Oh, absolutely. God, so everything yes. Is rational, right? I do the business, I kiss you on the cheek and I say goodbye. But what happens if you stay in touch with these people every month with something of value to their life? If you're in a real estate, eight secrets, how not to get scammed by a real estate broker, right? Mm-hmm. Three tips mm-hmm. for that. Five reasons to do this how to maintain your home, how to paint your home, how to take care of your yard, whatever. It's something of value. And the key to it is it's got to go out in a hand addressed blue ink envelope because the average open ratio on an email is 18%. Mm-hmm. The average open ratio on an envelope in blue ink hand addressed is 100%.
0: Yeah, you, you know, you're not wrong. And that's not something that I've, I've been doing. Um, we have a newsletter obviously that goes out monthly that keeps in touch with our clients. And I know that hand-addressed flyers going out, hand-addressed newsletters are going to get opened way, way more. I just end up keeping in touch with my clients through Facebook, through Facebook Messenger, through email. And I know there's a whole other offline world that I can use. But again, then, then that's more time, that's more effort, that's more energy, that's another assistant. What, what is that? You know, how do we, yeah. how do we do that? And I may look at um, doing that as we scale the real estate company. Um, you know, but my my goal with building uh, my company, it's called Live In College Station. It's not called Sam the realtor. And the goal of building Live In College Station was to to build it, to put some agents in place that could operate it, and then just to sell the company. Um, you know, I don't, my goal is not to be in a, a, a residential realtor for the rest of my career at all. Um, I will almost certainly maintain a real estate license. But I enjoy real estate investing. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy renovating properties. I enjoy putting together development deals. There's a whole lot more than I enjoy than residential real estate. I just using residential real estate as the the, uh, the vessel right now and building a brand that I can sell. Um, maybe eighteen months or two years down the line, it's not it's not my long term goal. Sure. You know.
1: So I would I would design the flyers and I'd provide them to your agents and mm-hmm. tell them I'll pay for the flyers and you pay for the stamp and the envelopes. Uh, Good point. Yeah. You know, yeah. let the agent send them out, right? I'm working with a, a gentleman right now. He's uh, actually remodeling our, our master bath. So mm-hmm. I actually told him I'm getting ready to do a podcast. So knock the sauce off for a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in mud and in right now, But um, I'm helping him work on his, his handyman slash general contracting business. And we designed the first flyer for him. And I, I want to test him out. I designed it for him. And I said, here's the deal. Here's your first flyer. Here it is in PDF. I said, I want you to go pick the wealthiest neighborhood in this area. I want to pick a gated community. Mm-hmm. I want you to grab a list of 100 homeowners off of the property appraiser website. Right. Mm-hmm. I want you to drop 100 of these a month, and when the first mailing goes out, let me know. We'll do number two, but I'm not doing number two till you send up the first one. Right. And just 100, and you can figure with the printing, so people want to know how much it costs. Well, by the time you send out to a printer, two three colors. And then you buy the envelope and you buy the stamp, real stamp, none of this machine stuff. It's got to right, be right. authentic, right? It's going to be a dollar. I say yeah. 80 cents to a dollar. Just call it a dollar. So you invest $100 a month. I said, I promise you within three to five months, you will you will sell a ten dollars to $20,000 job, whether it's a kitchen or a Yeah, all day. $1, yeah, $1, all day. All so, day. And here, here's all it's based on. People do not know who to trust. Yes, I completely they agree. They don't know. They don't know i moved up here uh the end of july and had a car issue and had asked my mom who's starting with some dementia uh, who do i go to and she's like well i had good luck with these people i chucked them they have very good reviews and it's a transmission shop that turned out to not be a transmission problem but they said we got the car we'll fix it thank you very much and then we needed tires on another car i called the same lady at the transmission shop i said i know you don't do tires but who can i trust to go get tires mm-hmm. she said folks are three blocks north of me they're great they're wonderful great we went up spent twelve hundred dollars on tires of the car with them just off the phone call to her because i just didn't know who to trust i'm new that, to this area that's how
0: it works man and that's that's what the social media is for us it's it's enabling us to have the same conversations that you would have ordinarily you know 30 years ago you'd have these conversations in the pub it's enabling us to have that with hundreds and hundreds of people at once. I mean, when you look and you, I made a post this morning and it's got 80 something likes. You look at that with 80 likes, probably 800 to 1000 people have seen that post. And they've seen me talk about real estate. You know, my videos, they get 1000 views. How many people have seen it? How many people have scrolled by it? And every day we're establishing trust within the community. And that's why my phone rings. And I, I try and try and try to coach that to, uh, to my clients too. Uh, a lot of them don't like getting on camera. Um, there's there's a there's an awkwardness about getting on social media and putting your life up there on uh, on camera for everyone to see. But uh, at the same time, I mean, it, it pays off in dividends because people can trust you. I get stopped at the grocery store by people. I've got no idea who they are. Um, no, I, and I hate admitting that because you want to know everybody that interacts with you. But, you know, people will come up to me at a restaurant and, and they'll come up to me in a bar and I've got no idea. And they just, oh, I see your stuff every day, man. I, I like your pictures. And, you know, it's... Um, it's really the, the the new town square. It's a way to establish trust without actually meeting these people. And, and it's it's the strongest, strongest form of business that I, I've ever found is referral yeah. marketing. For sure. So,
1: yeah. so my, really, my, my program is, com- is combining the social media organic with the offline mailers. But then we go into the step of teaching how to really get a real testimonial, mm-hmm. how to uh, give bonus gifts your clients to mean something they don't have your logo on it they don't have your business card tucked into it look that no offense to anybody that does that um but it, it's kind of everybody knows that you. you're just advertising right absolutely so <laughs> well, why don't you give them something that really means something to them that they look at it when i did a car deal with a lady that they were university of florida fans i went to amazon they paid me a thousand dollars to represent them in a car deal and i spent 45 dollars i had amazon send her a warm up blanket that was the University of Florida Gators logo design warm up blanket. When that lady's watching football on the fall afternoon and maybe it's a little cool out mm-hmm. um, and she wraps up in that blanket, she knows I sent it to her. It didn't need to have my logo on it. Didn't need to exactly. On exactly. It. She knows it me, right? She's thinking to me on her next car deal or her friends mentioned they need a car deal. Plus, with the monthly mailers, plus Adam to your Facebook friends list, plus, you mm-hmm. know, plus stay in touch, plus build that relationship send them a Christmas card, send them a birthday card. On top of all that, you build that so that your phone rings when they need something in your genre. And it's really that simple, but it goes right back to, yes, it takes work, it takes effort. There's no magic solution, but within three to six months, that phone starts to ring and start to ring and start to ring one year, two years from now. you know, If you had a thousand previous customers on your US postal mailing list, You have a million dollar business. If you have 2,000 customers, you have a $10 million business because of compounding factors.
0: Wow, isn't that crazy? Because your phone will just blow up all the time. And and You know what I love about doing these small business surgeon breakdowns is the fact that not only are you coaching my audience, you're also coaching me a little bit here too because I don't do any of the offline stuff and I know it's efficacy. I know it works because I've done it in the past uh, with real estate and farming neighborhoods. Um, you know, and now I'm looking at this, going, you know what? Maybe I could drop another hundred dollars a month into into some signed mailers and, and get that done. Maybe I could tune myself up a little bit from uh, from Jamie's advice, you know, because and, uh,
1: and two different lists, brother, one for your past clients and then one for fresh clients too, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Buyers. It's easy enough to create. I picked up a, a Porsche deal from a, a neurosurgeon because I cold mailed his office three months in a lot three months in a row, and they called me up. So I'm looking to buy a Porsche. Will you represent me? Cool. That's cool. So just, I spent three bucks on postage, and I picked up a two thousand dollar car deal because it was a Porsche. It's <laughs> Instead ideal of man. a car. It's, it's
0: ideal. That's that's how it works. It's just a matter of having a system and putting the work in, and uh, the money that's comes it. out. The money comes out eventually, man. Yes, all it right. does. All right. So um, before we wrap up, Jamie, I've got a, uh, I got a question for you that I ask all of my uh, all of my guests. Um, if you were starting a business tomorrow, right? So somebody's starting a business tomorrow, what is the one piece of advice, the most important piece of advice that you could give to them that you think would resonate the strongest and uh, give them the most help possible in starting a business?
1: So create a vision. This is where I start with all my clients. I don't want to know about your business vision. I, know I want to know what your personal life vision is. Yes. Yes. Because you might go through seven different careers time. You're 53 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it might, it might think you, you learn what doesn't work for you by trying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't know where you're going to be. So create that life. But like the first thing we talk about is, yeah, I want to know about your business. I know I know where you're at and, and where I can help you and what we can plug in at. And I have a system that that we stick to as closely as possible. We also customize it to you, of course, but I want to know what is your life vision look like? without a cap. And, and I learned this from Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan doing Yeah, for sure. Why put a cap on? it? Like, and, and, and stretch that vision. If someone tells me they're selling 20 houses a year and their goal is to sell 50, I'm coming back and asking them, why isn't you go 200? Mm-hmm. And if your goal is 200, how come it's not 500? Like, let's stretch it out because there's no reason if you're selling 10, 20 houses a year, you can't sell 50 or 100 or 500. It's just what you believe you can do a system and enough help to do it that's
0: all it is that's all you need i know i know from from experience it's harder to sell the first five houses than it is to sell 25 a year it's once you figure out how how to get clients and how to generate them the rest of it's just a matter of scaling it you're absolutely right and um so many people don't have the end in mind when they start something they don't have that vision of what they want to be and what they want to become and where they want to go i know exactly what i'm doing with my life i know exactly where i'm going with it and um you know some absolutely vital information there from Jamie. Jamie, it's been a pleasure to have you on here as a guest. Before we get off, do me a favor and tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you on social media, and where they can learn a little bit more about you, buddy.
1: So, brother, it's real easy. Um, when I googled my name, there's a whole lot of Jamie Hides out there. I went, to, I
0: went to school with Jamie Hyde. There was one of my class. <laughs> yeah Yeah. Spelled the yeah, same way well, as well. It's a very English
1: name. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> So there is a lot of Jamie Hyde's. I was I was quite shocked to discover that some were the opposite sex and much prettier than I was. So what I had to do was I had to add The Real in front of it. So all over oh, social media, yes, yes, The yes. Real. And it's J-A-M-I-E. Yes, I know that's how girls spell it. I was given it birth. I didn't have no choice. But it's The Real Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. And then it's Hyde, H-Y-D-E, just like Hyde Park. Got it. So if you punch in The Real Jamie Hyde on Facebook and Instagram are my two primary... Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't do much with LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I don't do much with Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Facebook is my thing. That's my jam. That's where I'm at. The real Jamie Hyde. Uh, um, That's how you can find me. Um, I'm not shy. I'm not afraid. Uh, My phone number is 561-692-3637. Someone sends me a text message and lets me know where they heard from me or, or who they are up front. I will always return the call. I do not answer if you if I don't know who you are or why <laughs> you're text message. Because we are in the day and age of of tracking me down to sell me an auto warranty. Yep. Um, so yeah. I don't waste my time with those calls. So I do need a text message first, and then uh, even if it's I'm calling you at three o'clock Eastern, and I'll respond with four o'clocks better or mm. whatever. Then I will answer the phone each and every time as long as I know who it is, um, or we can schedule it from there. So the real Jamie Hyde or 692 36 to 37 and brother thank you for having me man I, i've enjoyed getting to know you um we got to say hello in december but we never really got a chance to say hello you know personal like this and I enjoy doing these where I don't know somebody so close because then we get to know each other. Well, Jamie,
0: it's been my absolute pleasure. And, guys, for those of you listening, uh, go check his stuff out at The uh, the Real Jamie Ide on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I dare you to shoot him a text and uh, see how much value you can get out of a conversation with him. So, so right. brother, one more yeah. thing. And I'm sorry. The Real
1: Jamie com is my landing page.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It actually says on there if you get on a phone call with me and you don't get value from me, I pay you $50 for your time. Well, there you go
0: there you have it so um, I, I don't think you've lost that bet yet though have you? <laughs> yeah. So go and take a bet and uh, give Jamie Hyde a call. Go check him out at The Real Jamie Hyde on Facebook and Instagram. And thanks again for being a guest, Jamie. And guys, uh, remember, if you've enjoyed this show, jump on over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and do us all a favor and leave a five-star review so other people can find it. Jamie, thanks once again, man. And uh, guys, we will see you uh, same time next week for another episode of Small Business Surgeon. You'll take care. This
1: has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If
0: you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small
1: Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.